Hello and welcome to Studio Class. I am Megan Enan, your host and diva sidekick. Wondering how to build your singing career and still make enough money to survive? It's not always easy, and we certainly didn't cover this during Studio Class at school. However, I'm here to give you the micro-actions that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. I like the rock and roll music and I like to tell the cha-cha-cha. Hey! I like the rock and roll music and I like to tell the cha-cha-cha. Hey! I got the mouth of fever and I like to sing a singing. Hey! I like the rock and roll music and I like to tell the cha-cha-cha. So 29 Days to Diva is over. Thanks for waiting for me when I went on a little break to do a residency at UNCG Greensboro last week, and we are back. I have a very exciting episode ahead of us, 10th episode, big deal. I've invited my number one listener onto the podcast, and I'm joined by my youngest sister, Rebecca Enan. Hi, Bex! (laughs) So I'm super excited about this. Becca, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast, to studio <laughs> class, to kind of chat about some stuff. I'm starting the next sec- next section of the series is going to be about Make It Rain, this uh, uh, music business entrepreneurship lecture that I do. And so this I've been... what I need in my life. <laughs> so it's perfect. So can you start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? What do you do? Who do you know? Absolutely. Yes. So I'm Rebecca, Becca, Bex, whatever comes out first, I'll answer. Uh, Yeah, I was asked on this podcast to make it a little bit more double reedy. You you all asked for it. You all asked. Um, The demand is high. Yeah, for an oboist on a podcast. (laughs) For classical singers. Yeah. (laughs) I work with Opera Omaha. I'm the office manager but I help out a lot of specifically with our community engagement. So if you're in the Omaha area and go to an Opera Omaha event, I'll be there smoozing, yeah. <laughs> smoozing everyone up. No. I love it. The I, Enans are like taking over one opera company at a time. Yeah. <laughs> but I and I also play with some uh, a community ensemble in Omaha. I graduated as an oboe performance major, so I got some of the classic. Cool training, but just on the instrumentalist side, or the, yes, woodwind. Yeah, what's that like? Yeah. <laughs> you guys practice a lot more than we do, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, we go a little crazy. Well, I would say, yeah, oh, boys practice alone a lot more, because um, we're making reads, which uh, can be social, but usually you're so frustrated that you're like, oh my god, get away from me. <laughs> Although, I notice there's a lot of Grey's Anatomy watching that happens during read making, so I feel like that's an upside, a definite okay. upside. But I had to stop watching Grey's Anatomy while I was uh, making reads because, like, there were some emotional moments. I was, like, tearing up while I'm making reads. And I'm like, this is a weird, like... Yeah, those are sharp knives to be yeah. holding when you're, it's like, like, when you're tearing a, up. like, a Pavlov thing where I, like, open up my read case and I'm just going to start tearing up. And we can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah. So, Becca, thank you for joining me. We're going to jump into my presentation. It's called Make It Rain, A Guide for Your Music Business. Because I feel like people just want to 
make more money. I don't know. <laughs> they they want to make their art. They want to do their singing, and they want to make money doing it. So right. I like to talk about those things. So for studio class, it's kind of like. I, I think, you know, you probably had studio class as an oboist that you guys all got together and performed for each other. Sure, yeah. And in studio class, I remember that part quite clearly, but then there were these opportunities to kind of uh, share information together in a studio that oh. I think we could have done more of. And I'm hoping that this podcast is kind of like that. Like on where, the business side yeah. instead of just the, like, this is an aria I found. Yes, <laughs> yes. Your French pronunciation is terrible. <laughs> yeah. C'est terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, oh, Megan. <laughs> so that we can think more about not only ourselves as musicians, but ourselves as music business professionals. Yeah. So. That's what we're doing here. But I wanted to jump into the first part, which is kind of talking about different stages of a music career, because I think that sometimes we are fed this story that if you just go to music school, that when you're done, suddenly you're going to have a career. Right. Or I don't think that people are act that people actually believe that, but they don't really know what happens in the middle. Like mm -hmm. they go, okay, go to music school, be done. And then and money, money, <laughs> and um, and I just don't think that's how it goes. Right. <laughs> Having been in this business for a while now, <laughs> like right. there are little steps along the way. So I like to talk about. Uh, I have this little pie chart in my in my lecture that goes. There are three kind of three parts of your music business, and the first one is talent. <laughs> the second one is network. The third one is materials, and then I have a 1%. 1% of the pie is luck. And yes. so I like to talk about how when, when you're thinking about your music business, you're really thinking about your talent plus your network plus your materials are all working together. Sometimes part of that ratio is higher. Sometimes it's lower, depending on what you need at any given moment. Obviously, when you're performing, you need the talent part and the prep part to be really, really high. But when you're working on the admin part, you need your materials to be amazing so that when you send somebody an email, it doesn't suck. <laughs> I was just at a lecture yesterday where the um, lecturer is, was saying uh, opera singing is a lot of hard, hard, hard work. And also genetics and luck. And then added <laughs> networking. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like genetics and luck. Maybe I should add that into there. Yes. Because that, and what I say is luck isn't necessarily like magic. Luck is anytime you come to a fork in the road, you just, or this is mixing metaphors, but anytime you come to a decision point that it tips in your favor mm -hmm. more often than it doesn't right oh, yeah so luck isn't so much like you're being visited by a fairy <laughs> or like with fairy dust of like magic yes <laughs> it's more like okay here is a time when somebody could choose between me and someone else and it just happened to go in my favor yeah. right if all things being equal but sometimes they're not equal and that's kind of what we work on in our music business is hopefully differentiating ourselves enough mm -hmm. to say all things aren't equal. I'm not exactly the same as the person next to me, and my qualifications for this make me just a little bit more desirable. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to swallow sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And well, and that kind of turns into some scarier feelings, like you're you're um, noticing that you have to put in this work and that sometimes what you do is not the right thing for that person. Yeah. And if you're not ready to kind of deal with that emotionally on the inside, <laughs> that's a dangerous <laughs> place. <laughs> so, so we jump into talking about, like I just said, talent is basically your current musical skills 
plus your potential growth over time. So talent isn't just only what you have right now, but where it could go. Mm -hmm. So you'll find people that kind of want to be on board of that early. And sometimes there are going to be lots of people that are going to come to that late. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you just want to keep building over time. And that kind of brings me to my point about networking is that if you've been reading the blog or you wrote, you read 29 Days to Diva, there was a whole post about how music is a referral business. Mm -hmm. And it's good in that way. Sometimes people think it's negative, or I thought it was negative when I was growing up, that people were like, oh, it's all about who you know. Yeah, but it's not. It's, it's not. not. See? <laughs> and so it's only negative when you feel like you don't know people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So It's the whole thing, like inside jokes. It's only like <laughs> exclusive when you're not inside. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> Referral business is great when you have a lot of referrals. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, and then the third part being materials, which is like, your materials are the storefront, the thing that you put out for people to kind of check out what you're doing and hopefully, you know, gain more eyes and ears into what you're making. Mm -hmm. So bringing them closer and closer to you, materials are kind of a first step in that funnel. You want them to kind of bump into your materials and be like, oh, I should check this out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but that brings us to talking about what I call the different stages of a career. And I should come up with a catchier name for that, I suppose. It's clear. It's understandable. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I know what you're going to be talking about. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, it starts with uh, generalists as what we go. So thinking about that generalist time period, and I always tell people in this lecture, if you are currently in your educational time or a training program, you are still in the generalist phase. And that's totally fine. You that's don't have to. It's a good phase. It's a good phase. <laughs> yeah. Do not worry. But it's really hard to set yourself up as an expert or an authority figure if you are also currently still in a training program or still in your educational time period. And that is, that's mm -hmm. good. So get everything that you can out of that experience while you're being, you know, in an education, educational setting. Right. Yeah. So the idea behind being a generalist is that you have these basic qualifications then plus years of experience. Right. So when you get done with undergrad, you are still in your generalist time period because you're building those oh, gotcha. years of experience, right? Yep. I'm sure that's how you felt when you finished school. Oh, yeah. And well, you saw... so I feel like I'm still in that <laughs> So I'm just having fun. <laughs> You're like, I'm learning about the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this stuff? Is it innate? <laughs> like, so... uh, my Twitter bio, generalist. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So as a generalist, you're... You're gaining those basic qualifications and then years of experience that kind of hone where your interests are, where your curiosity is. Because yeah. to really be a thoughtful artist, you need to be curious about weird stuff, I think. Yeah. Like, you have really to... Open about it. Yes. You need to be the kind of person who's like, I am going to build an entire recital about, you know butterfly cocoons and it's gonna be amazing <laughs> okay, that's creepy no. I, after i just say be open-minded <laughs> generalist yeah. um, so it's like a two like silence of the lambs for okay me, okay sorry <laughs> okay okay that's more moth right <laughs> i'll pick something else It'll actually be less okay if someone did a theme recital of silence of the lambs i would totally go <laughs> i would totally go to that I'm, okay st don't steal that idea yeah. I'm it. okay wait no no thoughts first whoever makes it first wins <laughs> so if please invite me to the silence of the lambs recital i will drive to that <laughs> like, so uh, 
<laughs> yes, because when you're a generalist, you're certainly not thinking about creating a Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> but if you saw one, you'd be like, wow, I, I should probably check that out because that is some thoughtful stuff going on there. <laughs> or at least a lot of drugs. <laughs> A lot of dark places. Okay. Exactly. So so we talk about the typical work of a generalist is relatively small, relatively local tasks and routine tasks. So that's the kind of stuff when I say I had a church job, for example, or, you know, any sort of those um, religious setting jobs, those are often generalist jobs because mm-hmm. it's somebody that needs to be in town, right? You, you, you know, your church is down the street or whatever. And you show up weekly, you show up regularly, and it's the kind of job where you could get a sub by just being like, do you have a music degree? Have you sight read something before? Mm -hmm. Right? Are you familiar with how a church service goes? Like, yes, come be my sub. You don't have to be like... I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'll need you to test, I'll need you to take, like, the, yeah, I'll need you to take a theory entrance exam right. before you can, like, come sub for my church job. So those are generalist things, right? If you needed um, a lot of, like, community playhouse and stuff like that yeah. would be another one. The where community ensembles. Community what, what? ensembles. Yeah. And you get a lot of, like, that's building into your years of experience mm-hmm. because, even if you're going on, say you want to advance to specialist, particularly in oboe or something like that, you want to go on and teach or something in the future, yeah. being part of a community ensemble, you're actually gaining a lot more experience. You're working on your network. You get to like um, start to filter ideas of how to run a community ensemble through mm-hmm. your brain while you're doing the experience rather than just being like, sure, I've heard of those things before. Yeah. I, could, <laughs> I could direct one, right? So. Building your awareness and your experience is all the stuff that happens during that generalist time period. And then from there, we start to tip over into specialist. And I always think that specialist typically starts with uh, specialist qualifications. So once you have the degrees, once you have maybe a post-grad, something like that, you have, particularly for singers, specialist is when you start to kind of put some yaps on your resume, yaps are young artist programs, And those are like those summer time periods where it's like you've started to develop like these people um, accepted me into their program because I sound like a Rossini mezzo or something like that. And so when you start to demonstrate that you've kind of got a little bit of a niche going on and people are seeing that and hiring you for that, then that's when we start to make that transition into specialist. Mm -hmm. So what I always say for specialists is challenging work comes with increased competency. As you become a specialist, you are increasing your competency by doing more and more challenging projects, right? You Mm -hmm. want to take on slightly more challenging things to kind of develop that resilience that comes with like a music career. (laughs) Ooh, buddy. (laughs) I can walk through fire at this point. (laughs) And I will if you hire me. (laughs) Does that go with an opera? Reputation starts as a generalist, but really gears up in specialist time period. So you're building your reputation with what I call second and third tier level clients. Mm. So what are like, who are those? Right. (laughs) It's a very good question. (laughs) So when you're thinking about that, you're thinking about increasing 
or like locally, if you started in your generalist, generalist time period as like, this is my local area, I'm going to get to know everyone around here and get hired here. This is kind of branching out next step from that. So maybe it's a couple more like local regional places. Or you've done your research to know that these types of houses hire the level of singer that you are at the moment. As you become a specialist, you start to understand or you have a better awareness of where you are on the spectrum mm. <laughs> of like, I'm just beginning. I have all the skills in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And no offense to anyone out there doing their education or anything like that, but I tend to come across students who are in their educational time period and haven't had a lot of experience yet. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, clearly I'm going to sing at the Ryan Opera Center at Chicago Lyric after this. <laughs> and I was like, great. Yeah. Um, wow. Hopes and dreams. <laughs> yes. Hopes and dreams are great things yeah. to have. Um, yeah. Like a goal is always wonderful. Right. Um, and, and that's not to say that they, they can't, right. right? Maybe you are that special unicorn that comes out of undergrad, like fully formed, ready to take on those super large roles and big houses and commands an audience right away. <laughs> but go, wow, geez, like come, come right be on my the podcast. Room, yeah. the audience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, maybe you are that, but if you're not, this is the time when we're building our reputation so that we start to get more and more of those things. So you start doing... Um, that kind of emerging professional stuff where you're doing a lot more roles. You're, you're getting paid for all of the roles that you're doing, but you're doing a lot of them like regionally, right? Oh, gotcha. Before you start to uh, do, uh, until your like audition seasons really start to pay off. And then you start working like, oh, and now I'm going to Seattle Opera. And now I'm going to here. And now I'm going to there. Now I'm going down to like Orlando. And that, you know, kind mm -hmm. of because you've built some experience, then these other companies can take a chance on you. Like Opera Omaha yeah. can say, yeah, we trust that you'll, you're going to have this ready so that you can come be here right. and we're just going to put a show together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You're going to make us look good. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you potentially have an, an audience that's looking forward to coming to see you. Mm -hmm. That would be even better, you know, yeah. if we have some name recognition to like bank on, you know, in this area. So building a regional audience that way is really, really helpful because you are potentially promising to bring audience members to come see you. And so I think anytime you can offer that in what you're doing, a little bit more name recognition is always attractive to opera houses because yeah. everybody's got to get butts and seats. So like, <laughs> right. ain't, ain't nobody that at the end of like, the day, we're the just... the <laughs> so that as you're working in that specialist time period, we're kind of trying to ascend to expert level. And this is about after what I call like 10 solid years of a track record. Mm -hmm. And that can be, you know, maybe that's 10 years. If you kind of broke onto the scene as like a 16, 17, 18 year old, and you were like doing all of those things, kind of generalist specialist in that time period, maybe you can advance that quicker. You know, yeah. maybe you can kind of skip a level, right? But that doesn't always happen. And so I don't want people to kind of worry when maybe they're not, um, worry if they haven't skipped a level, you know, yeah, gotcha. there are a lot of working singers. Like it's okay <laughs> to work your way through the levels. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, you don't only make it in this business. If you're like 
<laughs> if you're like skipping a level straight to the Met, yeah. you know, like, and you're like, that's it, yeah. that's it. Oh, my dreams are over because I never made that transition to the like. So this means that when I talk about 10 years of a solid track record, I'm talking about working with people that have like high risk, high reward, high profile projects, mm -hmm. they're going to go to an expert. So building that track record is you taking on more and more challenging projects, just a little bit more, right? Yeah. So whatever you just did, see if the next project can be just a little bit more exciting and challenging for you. Gives yeah. you a little bit of your butterflies in your stomach and going like, how am I going to pull this off? <laughs> yeah. And you go, well, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so the more that you challenge yourself as a specialist to kind of do more of those projects, that raises your reputation. Mm -hmm. And then people that have those high risk, high profile projects are going to seek you out. And it's that kind of seeking you out that kind of elevates you to expert status. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to build too, is it like generalist, specialist, expert. And then after expert, you get to authority. And this I is like kind this of, yeah. <laughs> this is like our Renee Flemings of the world <laughs> is when your name starts to transcend your specific part of the field. Mm. So when people think about opera, they think about, you know, people that are not related to the field. Think about, oh, um, maybe Renee Fleming or maybe Joyce DiDonato because she mm. sang for the World Series or something yeah. like that. You know, those names, I always liken it to, like, if a reporter who didn't grow up, like, playing music or singing was like, I have to write this story about an opera, um, maybe I can get in touch with Renee Fleming. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> so, but it's... Like, who is the name that people associate with your field? And that's what we call authority level status. Like Michael Jordan in basketball. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like a reporter that's never heard of basketball before and was like, okay, this Michael Jordan fellow seems like he knows a lot about basketball. I'm going to get a hold of him. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll send him an email. Maybe he'll meet me for coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, hopefully reporters are better at their job than that. But, like, when you work in a super niche area, if your name transcends to, like, when people Google, uh, you know, going back to my Rossini Mezzo example, mm -hmm. if they Google Rossini singers and your name comes up, that's when you start to, like, really get to yeah. that because then that reporter's like, well, I should probably talk to this person. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. If you do get in touch with them, let me know. Yeah. Because, like, I would also like to talk with that person. <laughs> let me get their PR person online. Yeah. <laughs> so I always kind of start off talking about these different parts of the career, but then people are very curious, I hope, about how to ascend through the levels, right? Mm -hmm. how and do I... keep ascending. Yes, because we only grow as far as our expectations grow. So if you have, if you want a career that is local and you are constantly working, but you're not maybe pulling your sole income from it, then that's great. Like that's the kind of career you should have. Right. If you want more than that, you are going to seek that out. You're going to try and keep ascending or advancing through these levels. <clears throat> so I talk about with generalist advancement that I want to promote your practice and experience <clears throat> through publicity and networking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's important. Mm -hmm. 
and I always give this example. <laughs> In fact, there's like this motivational quote on the wall right now that does this perfectly. <laughs> but like, that you imagine a full circle. A full I knew this was coming. <laughs> if you drop a pebble into water and you start to see the ripples extend, I want you to think of your music business that way. And that first ripple is what I call the local ripple. That's like your first ripple is very close to you. It's that first tier. And this is people that you interact with regularly. These are companies that you uh, patronize them regularly. Mm -hmm. These are companies that you work for regularly. Like you kind of wear all hats with them and you see them a lot, right? right? So this is as we advance from generalist to specialist is you are building your track record with that first ripple because it goes first ripple is local second ripple is regional third ripple is national slash international because if you're working pretty much nationally then you can start to kind of branch out from there would you consider uh like first ripple being teachers and things like that and when you're at college or is that just not or is you have to go out in the community for your first ripple? ah i like this so i think that it can count in college, particularly if you have a, a large like community uh, that's included inside the college, if you go to a large university or something like that, that can be a, a very sustainable first level. Mm -hmm. If you're getting known by all of those people <laughs> as what you do. If you're in a smaller community, um, you might want to practice branching out. So not just your insular campus like life, but get to know people if you're in a community where there is a church performance series but you go to the college and everything that you do is on that campus mm -hmm. but there are things that are happening in your community it's wise to break out and go be a part of that and that's going to be ripple one so ripple like 0. 0.5 would be <laughs> would be campus life <laughs> so yes <okay. laughs> Unless you have a giant university and you're like, oh, there are thousands and thousands of people right. here. <laughs> like, then yes, that's definitely ripple one. Mm -hmm. So when you are thinking about ripple one and advancing from generalist to specialist, you promote yourself through what, performing, networking, and publicity. And the way that you can really break that down is go, am I the person that people think about when they need someone for a gig. Like, particularly when I was in Baltimore, uh, for example, I go, am I the mezzo-soprano that comes to mind first and foremost when somebody's looking for particularly someone who specializes in new music? Or am I one of the first mezzos on the list when they've got a mezzo role and they need somebody, mm -hmm. right? Am I the one of the first names, if not the first name? Am I, like, right there at the top? Right. Then... The next part, the networking aspect is, am I the first person that people call when they want to be introduced to somebody else? Oh. Do I know enough people that I'm a kind of a hub for other introductions sure. and nice enough to, like, <laughs> to, to make the introductions <laughs> so that I'm connecting people. I'm known as someone who's a connector, mm -hmm. right? That's the best way to, to approach networking is, do you know enough people? Do, do, are you part of a community that openly engages, not so much like networking as how many people are giving you things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, think that's what makes it the negative connotation. I agree. Yeah, definitely. So the way that I turn that around mm -hmm. is by thinking about, am I the person that when somebody else wants a connection, they go, 
Megan probably knows that person. Yeah. Let me see if I can just ask her if she'd introduce us. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is publicity. Do your materials suggest that you are hireable, basically? So that as a teacher now, if I have someone that calls and asks me, hey, do you have students that are ready to do this? Then I think about it and I'm like, do, do they have their stuff together? You know, that I could send them out and feel comfortable about it. And I don't have to walk them through the process. I do. We walk through the process <laughs> together of like how to create things, right? But sometimes you don't have time to do it at the last minute. Right. So I can't walk them through it when, you know, I'm on deadline for something else and be like, this is how you write a bio. (laughs) I'm like, you, oh, why don't we already have this done? (laughs) So, so you have to have your publicity in order for other people to recommend you and say like, oh yeah, totally hireable. She's got all her stuff together. You know, obviously the, you have to have the goods talent wise first. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be like, okay, she can totally sing that. And she's got her stuff together, so it's not going to embarrass me when she shows up and has, like, a resume that lists, you know, like, it's all unformatted and, like, oh, yeah. has, like, it has, like, random things on it that aren't even appropriate. High school job. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, this is for a performance. Yeah. Okay, got it. This is a performance resume. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after that, after you've been building that track record, we're moving into specialist and we're trying to advance from specialist to expert levels. So, <laughs> so specialists, we're building our reputation by association with specialist ensembles or organizations. So I think people usually ask me at this point, like, what's a specialist organization? Yeah. <laughs> and this is when I start talking about, can you pick out in your local slash regional area who are the names, like who are the organizations or ensembles that are kind of like the fancier ones in your mind Mm -hmm. and you want to start aligning yourself with them or not so much the fancy ones, but who are the ones that have the same mission and goals that you do as an artist? You want to start moving your way closer and closer to their inner circle so Mm -hmm. that you start becoming the number one person on their mind when they're like, oh, we're casting for this. Oh, make sure that she knows about those. Yeah. Right? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and to advanced, to advance from specialist to expert, you want to start putting yourself out there as a thought leader. Mm-hmm. Thought leader is kind of a buzzwordy type thing, but <clears throat> thought leader just means that you are writing articles for, you know, any sort of publication Um, Don't let it only be academic publications, write for, you know, mass market publications as well as academic publications. And then you start to also teach. Teaching Mm -hmm. is our our best way of demonstrating thought leadership because people are coming to you for your thoughts (laughs) and your taste level. Like you're starting to demonstrate that you have knowledge in this area Mm -hmm. and you're able to communicate it effectively with other people. (laughs) And so if you're teaching seminars or masterclasses or you're teaching a private studio or you're teaching, you know, you're doing coachings or it doesn't only have to be in the academic setting. It can be like, You've set up a workshop with your friends where you are able to hone your ability to give feedback to other people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I know, like, Opera Omaha does some, like, pre-lectures before the Met Live, mm. like, HD, you this know? Is perfect. So that's one way that they can... It's a lecture, but it's not necessarily academic. Yes. That's such a good point. Because if you are... 
if you're a local singer, that's a great way to kind of put your name out there as someone who knows your field by doing those pre-performance lectures or just kind of connecting with your organization. So then Opera Omaha knows that you exist (laughs) and you're willing to kind of put yourself out there and say, Hey, I'm willing to help out and, and do these lectures. I'll make sure that they're, you know, very high quality and people will get a lot out of them. And you've started to create also a patron base because the people that are coming to those lectures then kind of want to see you succeed at the thing that you're doing. Right. So that's that's how we kind of turn up the juice on that specialist advancement. Is And then you're also doing a lot of audience development. So then because you're spreading thought leadership, people are kind of coalescing around that and they go, oh yeah, no, that person would be great to teach this other thing. Or... I would totally see them perform because they're so thoughtful or whatever. (laughs) So then we talk about expert advancement. So after you've been building this track record for however many years and you've worked on some more high risk, high profile challenges, Mm -hmm. then you are starting to become a name that people want to seek out. And the way that you advance from expert to authority is start to perform more regularly with elite ensembles and organizations. So as you're coming up as a singer, you do, you do those YAP programs, and then you do some D and C level houses, and then you're kind of working your way up to B and A level houses. Mm-hmm. This is where we're starting to make that tipping point, you know, between like B and A level houses into celeb name status. So yeah. if you're not in those B and A level houses, then you're not technically... an expert yet. If you're not working with elite organizations in your field, you're technically not getting that social proof that says you're an expert. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of this, you can bring yourself by doing the challenges and putting yourself through your own paces. But a lot of, at this point you need buy-in from other people. Otherwise I call like, that's the Florence Foster Jenkins, like model, which is like, (laughs) which is to say like, I can just fund my own expertise. So to really, to really take on expert slash authority level status, you do need buy-in from other people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that's the only way that you get it. It's just that that strengthens your reputation, that other people have also said, we highly believe in her skills. (laughs) And then Expert advancement is that you are the person headlining festivals, seminars, series, Mm -hmm. performances, workshops, all of that jazz. You are the name that people are plunking down their cold, hard cash to Mm -hmm. be near. Right. So before that, in that uh, specialist time period, you were the person like opening for that expert level. And you're like, I'm close to this person. But maybe you're not the name that people are like plunking down the money to come see yet. You're the name that we say is performing, so we get people there. <laughs> yeah. Did you know they're going to be there? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then expert advancement, because we talked about thought leadership, when you're advancing to authority level, you are delivering keynote addresses. Like, you are the name that's, like, kicking off the whole conference. Mm-hmm. And then you're also writing major articles, and you become the go-to expert. And I kind of talked about this before. You are the person that that reporter is like, yeah, I need to talk to that person. That's what, particularly for your industry publications, this is mm-hmm. expert level status means industry publications are starting to talk to you and they want to always interview you for your expertise, right? Mm-hmm. And then authority level is when people outside of your industry are like, reporters are like, that person yeah. clearly knows something about music. <laughs> right. 
And then the last part, we talk about authority advancement. And so, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who are authorities, (laughs) but it's really good to have goals in the future. So, you know, when, when we are all authority level, then we are going to think about how to really cement our names in the, in the public sphere. And I want you to think about authoring seminal books on industry related topics. So, Anything that lives outside of you, any thought leadership that lives outside of you and can live on past, you know, your living days mm-hmm. is authority level expertise, right? Um, that you're also invited to speak at leading national and international festivals and conferences or perform at those festivals and conferences, and you're winning the major awards, particularly major awards that are designated by your peers, because your peers are saying, this person has done the work, right? This person deserves our laud and honor. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last part about this authority level status is that you start to become an influencer of a large fan base. Mm -hmm. You are really able to influence actions of other people in your field. Particularly, you're influencing the generalists and specialists in your field to make changes, to do things. And so it's one of my sincere hopes that I can help more singers reach these expert and authority level status because that ability to influence other people is so strong and could really transform how we view classical music, particularly opera, and particularly new music in this country, if we have more people at that authority level status who can say, oh, well, I think new music or I think opera is pretty damn cool. And not just villains listen to it on like TV sitcoms. (laughs) Oh my gosh. More people will be like, no, the smart people listen to this or no, the really, really cool kids listen to this. And then that becomes this Uh, this larger influence. We're Mm -hmm. able to kind of wield influence over larger segments of the population because we have more people that have advanced through the levels. And so that is my sincere hope. I really want to like enlarge the pie for everybody in classical music so that we can get more people to this level so that we can make bigger impactful changes. So anyway, that's a little bit of my soapbox on why I really want people to advance through their own levels, whatever levels they think, get as niche as possible. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. get as niche as possible and advance to authority level in that niche. And it can change It can change things remarkably. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. But yeah. So, anyway, you know, um, so... Like, <laughs> so, studio What were you talking about again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, and that's the end of kind of my spiel on career stages. Oh, mm-hmm. Becca, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. Did you have any questions? I, I, I do have one yeah. about um, if you are going through the stages and if you feel like you've fallen back a mm. stage, can you, do you have to like start all over again or do you just like keep on going from yeah. where you're at? Well, I think this is a particularly astute observation because I also had a student ask once if I move like to a whole different market, Mm -hmm. do I start all over? And I was like, a little yes and no. Because hopefully, if you've been building your your ripples where you were before, that well enough, if you've been building them strong enough, and then you move, perhaps it can bump you up to like, you can start considering two markets, Mm -hmm. rather than 
one market and starting over at the beginning. But you will always have to start from the beginning wherever you go to next. Like, yeah. So if you feel like, you know, you made a choice and you moved from Denver to Boston or something like that, and you were really killing it in Denver, you knew everybody that did anything there, mm -hmm. and everybody thought of you first when they had a gig and they were like, oh, are you available for this? And you moved to Boston and not a soul knows your name. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So wonderful. And it's not like Denver and Boston are the Twin Cities where you move across the line or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, I still have two. Like, I still have all of these people calling me. And right. I just have a slightly longer drive. Yeah. No, now you have two markets where potentially you could still travel back to Denver and do stuff mm -hmm. if the, you know, if the price was right or if you really cared about the project or something like that. Right. But now you're in Boston and you have to work on that first ripple all over again. And so... Anytime you move markets, I want you to think about you are a generalist in that market unless you're bringing name recognition with you. Okay. Sometimes you get the benefit of bumping up a level if you've moved from... So I'm just taking the moving example as a kind of a way to talk about this. But say you, you're moving, you moved from Denver to Boston, but the work you did in Denver was so strong that you were really doing Denver, plus you had a regional kind of name recognition mm -hmm. and you were starting to do more national stuff and then you moved to Boston and maybe nobody really knows you in Boston, but enough people around the country know you that now you're starting to work more nationally and you've yeah. bumped up a level or you bumped out another ripple to the national level. And you can kind of build your audience in Boston thinking back to ripple one, you know, going back to that generalist time of connecting that way, but you're able to kind of also operate on the national level to keep your livelihood going and things like that. Right. Um, but you did ask if you fall, if you feel like you fell back a level. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's one of those things where people take some time off when they go to a different career or, or they decide they want to start their family now and mm -hmm. they pur uh, purposefully or sometimes not purposefully take time away from singing and then they want to come back into it. And that can feel very intense. Like it feels very raw to start and you feel like you're starting over. <laughs> and like, yeah. um, but you're not starting over. You have all of this experience and that can help you really differentiate yourself as a singer or as a musician, whatever. Right. Um, that you're not starting over. You're starting again. Mm -hmm. And you definitely want to bring those generalist principles back into play because you have to build your network again mm -hmm. and you have to build that connection with your talent and your materials but that doesn't mean that you are uh, starting over completely because you have you have a lot of experience to draw on you might have to do a lot of learning to go oh there are things that have definitely changed okay yeah. so now I'm learning those aspects um you know and now we approach this differently oh email lists are a thing now yeah. and like three years ago we weren't really talking about them as much as we were talking them about them today mm -hmm. you know um and I know that we've been talking about email lists a lot longer than that. I'm just saying that they weren't the same. <laughs> they weren't the same three years ago as they are right now. So, and that will change, right? Social media will be different a year from now than it is today, right. et cetera, et cetera. So the idea being that things change quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, main point. Yeah, main point. And, um, and so you're not starting over. You're just starting differently. Okay. It's not good or bad. Just it's not, different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel like a little like therapy session. Yeah. Like some of that, like 
let's let's just like just dismiss um, positive and negative language here, yeah. and we're just gonna really focus on how to move forward right. from this place. <laughs> no, but that does answer my question. I think the moving analogy helped too with right. that. And I know you know that's one of the things. That's one of the challenges. That's one of those high risk, high profile mm-hmm. challenges along the way. As you're a specialist, a lot of people are going to move, maybe for for other reasons than their music career, but maybe sometimes because of their music career, they decide you're in a smaller market and you've, you feel like you've been working in this market and you are ready to try some bigger challenges than what that market market can afford you. And this is like a lot of people that, you know, they're in, they're in like Dallas, Texas, and then they decide, okay, I'm making the move to New York or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's a big change. But yeah, I didn't even think about risks like that. I only thought about like musical risks and like things like that. And so I didn't take into account the physical moving or things like that. Right. And so the higher risk part of this is that you're giving yourself challenges not only musically to try like, oh, I'm going to try this harder piece. I have to learn how to count differently for this or something. I have to learn how to like, I'm going to expand my range for this piece or like, wow, I'm really, you know, doing something different here musically. That's a, that's a high risk, high profile project, but also you as your music business includes all of these little high risk, high profile Mm -hmm. projects along the way where you say, oh, now I'm going to do you know, now I'm going to do this kind of project or I'm going to start doing a 29 day blog series yeah. and then that's going to transform my life. And, and now I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all these high risk things along the way that, that aren't necessarily high risk in everybody else's view, except your own. Yeah. And whatever gives you that moment that says, I'm a little bit nervous and I'm a little bit excited about this and I'm definitely going to do it. Keep following that no matter if that's in music or if it's in the music business side of it. But those are always those little breadcrumbs to like, maybe this is going to help me figure out what's leading me to my next advancement level. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Okay. Well, Becca, if you don't have any other questions, I think we're going to wrap it up here so we can enjoy some more coffee together. (laughs) Well, and thank you everybody for joining us and listening to, you know, Eamon sisters talking about music, (laughs) which is something that happens quite infrequently, I'm sure. (laughs) And I hope that you'll check us out. Um, Becca, you are on Twitter. You're on places. Where would you like people to find you? Yeah, anywhere really. Twitter. It's just my name, Rebecca Eamon, but it's very informal. So sorry. It's just me talking about (laughs) opera and things like that. Oh my gosh, guys, you have to check out Becca live tweets some of the Opera Omaha productions and it is hysterical. <laughs> so please check her out. Rebecca Enan. So at Rebecca Enan. Yep. Where else are you on Instagram? Instagram? Yes, same thing. Or actually my Instagram thing is it's just Bex. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll switch up. Yes. But yeah, follow me. I'll follow you back. It'll be yeah. great. Networking through no. social media. Exactly. That's how it starts. You yeah. know, that's how the magic happens. Yeah. That 1% of luck. all right well thanks everybody we'll talk to you soon let me know hit me up on twitter if you like this kind of episode where we chat and laugh a lot over coffee and i will see you see you talk to you hopefully soon
for joining me for episode number 10 of Studio Class, brought to you by the Sybaritic Singer. Many thanks to Juanitos for the music featured in this episode. And finally, many thanks to my sister Rebecca Enan for joining me as my first ever guest. Hey divas, did you know there's one simple way that you can support our show to ensure we keep producing more content? Simply head over to iTunes and give us a rating. First, subscribe to the podcast, and then you can rate the podcast by selecting one to five stars. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a five-star rating. This takes less than a minute to do, and with each new rating, it only boosts the visibility in iTunes for Studio Class. And finally, I have big, big news. So I am going to be launching my first-ever Kickstarter this week. I hope that you will take a moment to check it out if you can. It's only seven days long. It's called Wordless Lullabies for the Sleepless. And I hope that you will maybe toss a few dollars my way if it's something that you can do. Um, I'll tell you more about it. If you find me on Twitter, I'm at Mezzoinen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. I'll talk to you soon, divas.